The reading is taken from John, chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thank you, Andrew, very much for uh, reading that wonderful reading. Let's pray together um, before we look at this passage together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today to hear your words of true comfort and true hope to us. Please open our ears to 
to see your comfort to us, to see your true hope to us in the words of Jesus in this passage. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we gather here this lunchtime, of course, at the forefront of our minds is the shocking and tragic death of Sir David last Friday. And many of us are grieving the loss of a dear friend uh, and a colleague. And some of us perhaps are angry at the terrible injustice of it and why something like this could have happened. Some of us perhaps are feeling crushed in spirit and fearful about the fragility of our own lives. Well, in this famous passage from John's Gospel, Mary and Martha are also reeling in grief, in anger and despair at the death of their own brother, Lazarus. And it's in the midst of their distress that they cry out to Jesus for help. And and it's in the midst of our own grief and anger and distress today I want us to see how Jesus responds to Mary and Martha and how he brings them true comfort and true hope and how he can do the same for us today. So first, he comforts them in their grief. In this passage, it's very important to notice that Jesus teaches us that we are right to grieve. Now, we might take that for granted, that it's right to grieve at death, but I think it needs to be said in in the culture that we live in. Because our contemporary secular culture, on the one hand, holds to the belief that this life is all there is, and that we are merely products of a process of mindless, natural causation. We live and die, just as everything else in creation uh, does. And to seek any lasting meaning in this life or life beyond this life is at the end end of the day mere wishful thinking. And yet, and yet, we can't escape this conviction deep inside us that death is wrong. That it is in fact an unnatural interruption to life. That the love that we share with people isn't a mere evolutionary advantage for a period of time, but it was meant to last forever. When someone we love dies, we miss them terribly, and everything in us cries out that it's wrong. Dylan Thomas was surely right when he famously said we should rage, rage against the dying of the light. And Jesus, in this passage, affirms this deep conviction that we have that death is unnatural, it is wrong, and it's not the way things were meant to be. Can I just draw your attention uh, in your service sheets to verses 33 and 35 in the passage? When Jesus is confronted by the tomb of his friend Lazarus Lazarus and uh, Mary and Martha and the other mourners, it's so striking how he responds. He responds with anger and with tears. The end of verse 33 describes Jesus being deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now it has to be said, this is a somewhat polite English translation. The the original Greek uh, words here are much, much stronger. The Greek word refers uh, sometimes to the roaring or bellowing of animals. 
literally translated, it would be, when Jesus saw their weeping, he, he quaked with rage, or he bellowed with anger. Now this tells us something really important in our grief for David and for all those who die. Jesus says, we are right to grieve. Here, God the Creator in human flesh is filled with a just anger at the evil of death and the suffering that it brings. It's an alien intruder, not part of his original creation plans. Jesus shares our anger at the pain of death, and he comforts us that our deepest instincts about death are right. It is real, and it is wrong. But not only does Jesus affirm that we are right to grieve, notice also, please, verse 35. Verse 35 is famous, of course, because it's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But it's so famous that perhaps we miss the shock of this verse. Here we see the God who made the universe weeping as a human being. And why? Think about it. He doesn't need to. He he, he has the knowledge that He's got the power to raise Lazarus from the dead straight away. It can only be that Jesus has something to teach us in our grief. Something very important to teach us about our grieving. And these two little words teach us that in our grief we we also have a God who knows what it is to grieve. Even though he knows he can overcome death, he still weeps at the terrible reality of death. The God revealed in Jesus Christ is no distant, unloving, impersonal God. No, this is a God who has entered into all the sufferings and trials of our human lives. This is a God who loves us so much that he weeps with us at the pain of death. But even more than this, this is a God who loves us so much that he went all the way to an unjust death himself, so that death might finally be defeated. So that means that whatever questions we still have following David's death and all suffering and death, we can be in no doubt that this God loves us in the midst of our suffering and our questions. In fact, he loves us so much that he came to bring a final end to all suffering and death by suffering and dying himself. There's a poem called Jesus of the Scars. You may know it. Written by Edward Shillitoe just after the end of the First World War. And I think it captures this beautifully about the God revealed in Jesus Christ. Here are the first and last verses of the poem. If we have never sought, we seek thee now. Thine eyes burn through the dark, our only stars. We must have sight of thorn pricks on thy brow. We must have thee, O Jesus of the scars. The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. 
and not a god has wounds, but thou alone. This god can truly comfort us in our grief. But this god also gives us true hope in our grief, which is the second great truth that I just want us to see from this passage. Jesus enables us to grieve with real hope. In verse 23, Jesus promises Martha that her brother Lazarus will rise again. And in verse 24, you can see that Martha has a kind of belief that somehow Lazarus will rise again in a general resurrection of all people at the end of time. And how easily Jesus could have just offered her some additional consolation here, like any ordinary religious teacher would have done. He would have just confirmed her statement and said, yes, you're quite right, he will rise again at the last day. But he goes so much further than this. He doesn't just offer her a consolation, he offers her a resurrection, his own resurrection. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now this is an extraordinary thing to say. Other religious teachers point their followers away from themselves and say that in order to achieve eternal life, there are rules to keep, rituals to perform, and good deeds to do. But Jesus points to himself. He is resurrection life itself. Believe in him, he says, and you will receive this resurrection life. What a relief to know that resurrection life is not down to our own moral performance or religious performance. Because if we're honest, as we look at our lives, we know that would be a hopeless cause. Resurrection life, eternal life, comes through faith in the one who is eternal life itself, Jesus Christ. But you may be thinking, well, doesn't that just sound too too good to be true? How can, we sure, how can we be sure that our hopes of eternal life are not just wishful thinking in the face of the hard reality of death? Well, two pieces of evidence to point you to. The first is in this passage itself, at the very end, verses 43 to 45. Jesus then goes ahead and raises, raises Lazarus. He, he calls, him, calls him out of the tomb. Now, by that stage, you can see from the passages, there's, there's a lot of people there. This is a very public thing to do. And he calls Lazarus out. He raises Lazarus from the dead. It was very public. It wasn't sort of done in private. This is public evidence for Jesus' resurrection power. But of course, much more than this, that... The, the writers of the New Testament in general go to great lengths to provide evidence that Jesus Christ himself physically rose from the dead in history. They record this unexplained empty tomb with no body. They, they record the multiple eyewitnesses who, who saw Jesus after his death, different times, different places, different people. And they record the extraordinary transformation of these disciples from cowardly deserters to people who took this message of eternal life all over the Roman Empire and ended up dying to do so. So you see, the resurrection of Christ in the New Testament is not presented as some nice spiritual idea for wishful thinkers, but historical fact for everybody. 
Shakespeare's Hamlet described death as the undiscovered country from whose bourne no traveller returns. But, but because of Jesus Christ, that's no longer true. Here is someone who has actually been through death and come back, risen to eternal life. If we want to know if eternal life is real, Jesus says, look at him. Look at his life, death and resurrection in history. So today, in the midst of our tears, our anger, our fears and our questions, Jesus Christ comforts us in our grief. He rages with us and he weeps with us at death. And he loves us in the midst of our grief. In fact, he loves us unto death himself. But above all, he gives us this real hope in the face of death. Because he's risen from the dead in history, he can bring us through death too. In his moving tribute in the chamber yesterday, the Prime Minister referred to Sir David's firm belief in the resurrection and the life of the world to come. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And that sure and certain promise stands for each one of us today if we put our faith in him. So let's ask God's help now that we might do that. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we pray for Sir David's family, his friends, colleagues, and all of us who grieve for him. May they and we know the comfort of your anger and your tears in the midst of our suffering and all suffering. In the midst of our unanswered questions, may we know that you still love us so much that the Lord Jesus Christ became one of us and suffered unto death that we might know you forever. And finally, may all of us know the true hope of our own resurrections to eternal life in the future through faith in Jesus who died and rose from the dead for us. We ask these things through him, the resurrection and the life. Amen.